be able to share with you guys. So Passover is the central narrative of the Jewish people, and it's a story of redemption. And it's my story, but it's also your story. And I believe that Passover is central to the gospel itself. So maybe you're wondering, what does the gospel have to do with Passover? Passover's Jewish. Well, Jesus is Jewish. And it's my hope that as we go through the Passover story today, you will experience his death, his resurrection, and the promise of his return. Let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 16. My phone Bible. And starting in verse 1, I'll read, In honor of the Lord your God, celebrate the Passover each year in the early spring, in the month of Aviv. For that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be from either the flock or the herd, and it must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, the place he chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it with the bread made without yeast. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast, yeast, as when you escape from Egypt in such a hurry. Eat the bread, the bread of suffering, so that as long as you live, you will remember the day you departed from Egypt. So God commands the people of Israel to go seven days without eating any leavened bread. And Passover marks the beginning of a seven-day holiday called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And during this time, Jewish people eat unleavened bread called matzah. I hope that later on you guys will come up and get a closer look at all the elements, and maybe even try a little piece of You'll probably say, hey, that's not bad. Now trust me, after a week of eating nothing but matzah, you will do anything to get your hands on a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so why 11? Well, our ancestors in their peacefully Egypt had to take their bread with them while it was still rising. In ancient baking, today we call it our peachnel baking, a small piece of fermented dough is added to a batch, causing it to rise and puff up. This is what causes the holes in the loaf of bread, as well as the flavor known as sourdough. And a lot of biblical authors use leaven as a symbol for sin, and it's easy to see why. Just the way a little bit of leaven puffs up a whole loaf of bread, so a little bit of sin in our lives will puff us up with pride and leave our souls sour and full of holes. And so at Passover, we remove all the yeast from our home as a symbol of removing sin from our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul applies this very carefully in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, when he charges us to cast off the old yeast, so that you can become a new and unleavened batch for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Once cleansed of leaven, home is ready for Seder to begin. Seder is a Hebrew word that means order, and that's because the Passover Seder follows a very specific order of which is recorded in this book called the Haggadah. And today we'll engage in the Passover story through excerpts from the Haggadah, which you should find in the brochure inside the bulletin. Passover begins with the woman of the house lighting the candle. And I'll say the prayer in Hebrew, and then I'll ask if the women will read with me in English. Well, 
shall bear a gun, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, a light for life the nations, and the glory of thy people Israel. There are four acts in the drama of Passover, and so we fill our cup four times. First, the cup of sanctification, or the pitch cup, then comes the cup of plague. The third cup, the cup of redemption, is the focal point of our entire teaching. Finally, we come to the fourth cup, the cup of Hillel, or the cup of praise. The head of the house will lift the first cup, and with it, offer a blessing for the king to come. And again, I'll say it in Hebrew, and this time I'll ask that the men will read the English. Then let's read that together in English. Now, in the Jewish household, every time you give a blessing for the fruit of the vine, it's followed by one for the bread of the earth. But remember, there's no bread at Passover, only matzah. One of the items on our table is called the matzah and this is three layers of matzah. The head of the house removes the middle layer and says the blessing, Thank you. 
when he provided the sacrifice of the Passover lamb for our people. Each year, my ancestors were instructed to take the blood of a spotless lamb and apply it to the doorposts of their home. Those who obeyed God's commands were spared the ravages of the tenth plague. When the angel of the Lord saw the blood on their doorposts, death was forced to pass over. Hence we get the name Passover, or in Hebrew, now, just the way that my ancestors had to apply in faith the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their homes, so we too must apply in faith the blood of the Messiah to the doorposts of our hearts. Each year, every family recreates the Exodus experience for themselves. Every generation must taste the bitter oppression of David and must long favor sweetness and this is a Seder plate and an item of food that resembles the Exodus experience this place into each Kentucky. The first item is green and this represents life, but before it is eaten, it is dipped into salt water, which represents the tears of life. And by dipping, we are reminded that a life without redemption is a life drowned in tears. This is Caesaric, the root of the bitter herb, and an onion or a horseradish root is used. And this reminds us that the root of life is bitter. And it certainly was for my ancestors in Egypt. This is Mavor, the bitter herb itself. Freshly ground horseradish. <laughs> now, you're supposed to eat a tablespoon of horseradish. Do I have any takers here? No? You don't have when you eat a horseradish. You cry. It's a battle between your tear ducts and the horseradish, and the horseradish always wins. And so the reward, like the Caesarean, reminds us of how bitter life is without redemption. By way of contrast, we have corrosive. And this represents the mortar that the Israelites used to build bricks for Pharaoh. And it's a sweet mixture. It's made of chaff. Apples, honey, nuts, and it tastes delicious. So you might be wondering, why such a sweet mixture to represent a life of slavery to Pharaoh? Well, the rabbis teach that even the most bitter circumstances in life are sweetened by the promise of future redemption. These last two items were added to the Seder plate after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. This is the Hadiga, a roasted egg, to represent the temple sacrifices. It's a token of grief over all the destruction of the temple. And before it is eaten, it is sliced, given out, and then dipped into the salt water, which represents what? Tears. Tears. This is the Zeroa, the shape bone of a lamb. Now, Passover used to sometimes be called the feast of the Passover lamb. But since the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, no sacrifices have been made, and therefore lamb is actually not usually eaten at Passover. And so the Zerola, like the Pagiga, reminds us of the sacrifices that are no longer offered. Now, the presence of these two items on the Seder plate brings to mind an interesting question. With no temple, no sacrifices, and no altar, how are we to atone for our sins? The rabbis teach that now 
But <coughs> the law of Moses clearly states that we must atone for our sins and that our good deeds can never save us. At the Passover table today, this question is left unanswered and unsolved. It's now time for the second cup, the cup of plague. In Jewish tradition, a full cup represents complete joy. But in one sense, our joy is not complete. And so, before we drink from the second cup, we dip and pour out ten drops for each of the plagues that were poured out upon the Egyptians. We mourn for their loss, and we express sorrow for their destruction. There is an important application to be made in this second cup. Pharaoh hardens his heart against God's will, causing destruction for those around him. Living in a postmodern society, we often believe the lie that we can define our own truth and that our personal beliefs are just that, personal. But when we don't obey God's calling on our lives, the result can be devastating for those around us. After the second cup, we now come to the Passover. And unfortunately, I didn't cook a meal for her today. And I'm very sorry. I'm not very sorry. While the delicacies that we served will vary around the world, there is always a place setting left untouched for the prophet Elijah. Why? Well, it is recorded by the Hebrew prophet Malachi that before the return of the Messiah, he will be preceded by the return of the prophet Elijah. And so, every year at Passover, a child goes to the door and opens it wide, hoping that the prophet will accept their invitation, join us at our table, and announce the coming of the Messiah. Now, Yeshua, Jesus, spoke of his brother, his cousin, Yochanan, or John the Baptist. He said of him, if you care to accept it, he himself is Elijah, the forerunner of And John, upon seeing Jesus, declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. The question of atonement has been answered. And it's not through the blood of the Passover Lamb, but through the blood of the Passover Lamb, the Messiah Yeshua. And as believers in this Messiah, this Passover story now becomes our story as we too pass over from death to life and from mourning to feasting. After a delicious meal, we now come to the high point of the entire the third cup. But we can't continue just yet. Earlier, something was broken, buried, and now needs to be brought back. You guys remember what it's called? The matzah. The matzah. Do you know the name of it? The afikomen. And so all the children of the house will search for it. And once it is found, it's brought to the head of the house, who must redeem it or buy it back. So the parent might say, I'll give you five dollars. And if the kid's smart, he'll say, I won't settle for less than a new iPhone. <laughs> 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 Until a price is agreed upon, and the head of the house redeems the offer. 
taken along with the third process. Does this look familiar? Uh-huh. Yes. It should. This is the origin of our communion service. And the matzah, an unleavened bread, reminds us of his body. Now, there are specific regulations set down by the rabbis concerning the preparation of the matzah. Did you guys notice that it striped just as Jesus was striped? The prophet Isaiah was told, I will strike your heel. It also must be pierced. You guys see those holes? Just as Jesus was pierced. God, speaking through the prophet Zechariah, said, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And I believe that the gospel story is present not only in the matzah, but also in the matzah, the three-layered pouch from which the oxycodone is drawn. Now, there's quite a bit of disagreement among, among the rabbis concerning the origin of the matzah, this mysterious three-in-one unit. Some teach that the matzah represents the patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then, why is it that the middle matzah is broken, buried, and then brought back? Still others say that the matzah represents the three divisions of worship in the ancient Israelite kingdom. But again, why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and then brought back? The meaning of the matzah has been Another little-known explanation that has first-century roots. The matzah represents a unity, a tribe. Jewish believers in Jesus understand that the three layers of the matzah represent one God in three forms: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why then is the middle matzah broken, buried? and then brought back? I believe it's because Jesus was broken, buried, and then brought back. It was concerning the cup of redemption that our Messiah said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the very covenant he was taught about in Jeremiah 31, where he said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of not like the covenant I made with their fathers. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts will I write it. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The broken piece of Akikomen and the cup of redemption are taken together in remembrance of the body and the blood of the Passover lamb. My Passover. Finally, we come to the fourth cup of the cup of Hillel, or the cup of praise. And it was from this very cup that that Jesus finished. And when we read from the Hillel Psalms, which are Psalms 113 through 118, and from one of these Psalms, the disciples say, when we read, that they go out to the garden and pray. Passover is a night of rejoicing, a night of thanksgiving, and a night to praise God. And this morning, I can praise God 
not only because my ancestors were free from slavery to Pharaoh, but because I too have been redeemed from an even greater bondage to sin. Now, Jewish people celebrate Passover every year, and they have no clue of the real true meaning behind all of this. And that's what I do with Jews for Jesus. I serve to bring Jesus to the Jewish people in a way that they understand, through the Old Testament and through their very own traditions and holidays. And now what I do in Chicago is I go to different events all around the city and meet Jewish people, invite them out for coffee or lunch, and then I hear their story and I share with them mine. And I want to tell you guys about a special project we have at Jews for Jesus called Behold Your God. This started back in 2000 when we said we were going to go to every Jewish city with over 200,000 Jews and we were going to share the gospel. And from 2000 to 2008, we did that. We went to every city in the world outside of Israel. And in 2008, we started in Israel and we said, we want to do an outreach in every region of Israel. And this spring, we're coming to our final outreach in Jerusalem. And I really want to ask you guys to pray for that. Because I myself am going, and we have eight teams going out in Jerusalem to share the gospel and share Jesus where he lives and where he walks. And if you guys want to get more involved and hear more about Jews for Jesus, you'll see that there's this little insert inside of here, and you can just fill that out, and you'll sign up for your, our newsletter. You'll also get this free map of Israel, and that way you can remember to be praying for Jerusalem and for the older God. And also you'll be getting some updates from me about what I'm doing in Chicago. So you can fill this out, and then you can either drop it into the offering, or you can just give it to me at the table in the back. And I've got some cool materials and books if you want to learn more. And um, any questions you might have, feel free to ask. Now, before I invite Pastor Steve to come back up, I'm going to say one more thing. The Passover story isn't over yet. Our Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah to come and gather up his people in Jerusalem. So traditionally, at the end of the Passover Seder, we say, next year in Jerusalem. Now, as Jewish believers in Jesus, we too are waiting for Jesus to come back and to gather us up in the new Jerusalem. So why don't we stay together next year in the new Jerusalem? You guys ready? One, two, three. Next year in the new Jerusalem.
Um, Lord, at the right time, at the right moment, that you would make the divine connections, God. I just thank you for putting this together. God, we just pray right now, uh, financially, the provision to come forth and to come through there. Uh, Lord, as we partner with them and uh, join with them, God, we just pray for them uh, and just stand in the gap for them as they go over there and uh, witness uh, through the power of Christ. And we just give you praise and glory for just having uh, Simone come here and share this awesome story of Christ in the Passover today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all those people said, amen, amen. Like she said, um, if you want to make checks out or uh, put a credit card on that particular form, rip that out, give to her, you can do that. Otherwise, if you make a check out the turning point, we're going to make issue one check uh, for her. Um, so it's however you want to do it. Um, but uh, be, just be encouraged over at the table there in the cafe. Talk to Simone, ask her questions. Uh, she'll be hanging out for a few moments after the service. But thank you so much. So we're going to have a uh, taste of the horseradish. We love you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. I know. <laughs> I still want what's going to happen. <laughs>